0: From Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts, this is Sermons by the Park. I'm Pastor Aaron Shepherd, and it's summertime here in New England, which means it's time for folks to get some time away, maybe down on the Cape or up in Maine or New Hampshire, Here at Union, we are getting away. We've made the move outside to worship under the oaks and the pines and the hickory trees in our outdoor sanctuary just inside Bird Park next to our church building. You are, of course, invited. In fact, you are more than welcome if you're in the area to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. All we ask is that you bring your own chair, but we always keep a few extras on hand if you don't have one. And if you are away, you can worship with us from afar via live stream on Facebook at facebook.com slash churchbythepark. Our summer sermon series is called One Verse Wonders. These are messages drawn from the wisdom and inspiration of a single chosen verse of Scripture each Sunday. I'd encourage you not only to listen for the Word of God here, but to take each week's verse— and maybe write it down and keep it in your pocket, or maybe memorize it so that you can call it to mind as you go about your day. You'd be amazed by how just a few words can open up a whole new world of possibilities. Here's this week's message.
1: Today's first scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 5-15. through So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. will never be thirsty the water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water may God add a blessing to the reading of the gospel
2: well in addition to that Story from John's Gospel. Today, our our sermon text, our focus text comes to us from the book of Revelation in the very last chapter of that book, uh, chapter 22. This is in a sort of final speech at the end of the book uh, from the angel uh, of the Lord who is speaking in the voice of Jesus. Let's listen now for God's word for us here today. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come let everyone who hears say come and let everyone who is thirsty come let anyone who wishes receive the water of life let anyone who wishes receive the water of life i was um coming back from the airport the other night and uh sort of driving along the interstate coming south on 93 i saw a billboard off to the side it was it was all black and just had four words printed on it. It said, get seen, be loved. I thought to myself, huh, wonder, that sounds like an advertisement for church. I wondered if it was one of those, you know, those billboards that was, you know, about, you know, advertising Jesus, you know, that he gets us billboards. The the Southern New England Conference has an initiative to create billboards and, and other advertisements to advertise our local UCC churches to the wider community to spread the word about these congregations all throughout uh, New England where people can come and be seen and be loved and accepted uh, and welcomed that that is the heart of sort of what we do here I thought to myself that's the message of the gospel get seen be loved but then it turned out that that was just an advertisement for the billboard (laughs) it's a clear channel billboard that didn't have anything on it, and so they were trying to get people to, to buy the billboard space to get seen, and so that they could be loved. ninety three, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, still though, I I thought it was a pretty a pretty amazing message. I mean, the funny thing is is that. Like the billboard, that is really the message of the gospel. And it really is just out there for anyone to see and to hear, right? This message that Jesus sees us and that Jesus loves us. That the love of Jesus is this kind of indiscriminate thing for whoever happens by. And that's what we see in the story in John's gospel, that he comes to the well and he's just sitting there tired. And honestly, whoever happened by that well, he probably would have had some sort of interaction with them that would have brought grace into their life that was just the way of Jesus but of course the difference between Jesus and the billboard is that Jesus's invitation that he offers the woman at the well is not about uh, buying something or loving for the sake of buying but about loving for the sake of loving Because that's what Jesus does when the woman comes to the well. He extends an invitation to her. And it doesn't really sound like that at first, because what he first does is he says, give me something to drink. And on the one hand, that's probably just out of necessity. As she points out later, he didn't have a bucket, and so that well was pretty useless to him until she came. But on the other hand, on the other hand, Jesus is offering her an opportunity to give something to him. Her, a Samaritan woman, someone who is separated from him both by gender and by ethnic affiliation. You see, as it says in the gospel, Jews and Samaritans did not share things in common. This was a strange invitation Jesus offered to her. It caught her off guard. But that's the thing about these invitations of Jesus. We often think of an invitation as as something that you sort of simply send out or say, I think these days we think of invitations and we think of them in the sense of the RSVP, respond if you please, or maybe not, right? But an invitation is fundamentally a a command. It's It's an imperative. When you are invited to do something, You are invited to actually then do something. Any invitation is going to require something of you. And it's up to us to choose to either respond or not respond. That's why there's a big difference, I think. There's a big difference between saying something like, all are welcome or you are welcome and saying, let anyone who wishes to receive the water of life come. You see, the second of those is a command. Come, rather than just a statement. You're welcome here. Take it or leave it. The gospel places a demand upon us to come to Jesus, and Jesus explains to the Samaritan woman why. He says, if you had come, if you had asked me for water, I would have given you this water of life, this water that allows you to never thirst again. And eventually, once she understands the nature of this command, it is the woman who gives Jesus an invitation, who gives Jesus a command, and says, give me that water that you're speaking of. And this really is the profound moment of faith in this story. That not only does Jesus put a demand upon us, but that we in turn are called to put a demand back upon Jesus. That Jesus says, come to me, commanding us to come, and that we in turn say, give to us so that we may receive. The funny thing about this exchange is that it is not a give and take. Fundamentally, what we see here in this moment of faith is a give and give, that one makes a demand of another, and yet in responding to that demand, the two are built up in mutual understanding. The question we have to ask ourselves today, the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we up to the demand of Christ? Do we really wish to receive the water of life? Do we really thirst after what Jesus is offering? Well, I suppose we have to understand first what it is that he's offering. He calls it the water of life, living water in in John's gospel. It's sort of a play on words. Living water was a way of referring to a certain kind of water in that time. It was water that was not still or stagnant. So while the water in the pond might be still water, if you got the water in the creek, that was the living water. It moves. The water in the well, for instance, that was not living water. It was still water. This is a sort of important and fundamental difference. This is why, for instance, um, uh, uh, the the woman is so confused about what he's offering her at this point. Not unlike when Jesus tells Nicodemus earlier in John's gospel that he must be born again to receive the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can you be born twice once you come out of the womb? It's kind of a done deal, isn't it? The same way, this woman says, where are you going to get living water from out of a well? This doesn't make any sense. But of course, the water of life is, is, is exactly what Jesus is talking about in Revelation. It's, it's a crystal stream flowing from the throne of God. It is the, it is the water that flows, that feeds and nourishes uh, uh, the righteous ones of God, which are like trees planted by flowing streams. Living water is this image all throughout the Bible for the grace of God which never sits still but is always moving. The grace of God is this thing that comes to us not to sort of fill us up like a a basin or a jar. The grace of God comes to us to flow through us. We are not vessels to carry God's grace, but faucets and pipes to let it go through us. And that's the thing about the grace of God is that it is overwhelming when we receive it. It's transformative. It changes all things in our lives. It's It's something that will make it so that this woman never has to come to that well again, he says. That she'll never have to be an outcast again. As the story progresses in John's Gospel, Jesus points out to the woman. He explains, he reveals that she has had five different husbands and that the man she's living with now is not even her husband. We get the sense that this is not a woman who is at the center of her society. In fact, we get the sense that she's probably not the kind of person who uh, has really known what it means to be loved. But Jesus is offering her that love knowing already everything there is about her. In fact, that's what amazes her most, that Jesus already knows her whole life and yet still accepts her. That is the abundant grace of God that comes to change and to renew us. And so this living water of of God, this living water we understand as being like a stream, something that is nourishing to the body and the soul, it's, it's overwhelming, it's wondrous, it's like an ocean. Howard Thurman has a meditation he calls the inward sea. He talks about that in every person there is within them an inward sea. And in the midst of that sea, an island and an altar in the midst of that. The inward sea in all of us is connected, he says, part of the common ground that connects us one to another. And so God's grace is like that sea that stretches out beyond us, touching the lives of others, gathering all things into one. And so to, re- to, to receive the grace of God is like coming to the edge of the sea and standing in it. I was thinking this week, I had some beach time with the boys this week. And my favorite moment came when I was with our uh, three-year-old Calvin. He was out in the surf and he had his little sand uh, shovel and his little cup. And he was standing in the waves and he was smacking at each wave as it came in with his cup and with his shovel and he kept saying get back get back get back and i was like i was just looking at him going you know you're not gonna you're not gonna stop these waves from coming and, but he just you know i didn't say anything to him i didn't want to dissuade him but he kept trying he was persistent <laughs> He was so persistent, and I was like, boy, isn't that just like us? Isn't that just like us to resist and fight back the waves like a three-year-old with a sand shovel? Isn't it just like us to experience the grace of God and to say, get back, get back. But we can't. That's the thing about God's grace is that it overwhelms our efforts to resist it On that same beach uh, a year ago we were there and there was this huge gathering of people down down the beach a little ways there were multiple tents that had been set up early in the day they had multiple grills out there was this huge enormous pile of food outside these tents and so in our group down the beach there was lots of speculation about you know who this big group could be and you know lots of people thought oh it's got to be a family reunion and i said no That much food, that's a church. (laughs) And sure enough, as the day went along, more and more people came. All different sorts of people were gathered under these tents, enjoying their day at the beach. And as day turned into evening, they went down to the breakers, down to the edge of the waves. And people, one by one, came forward, and they were baptized in the waters of the sea, right there on the beach where we had been enjoying our beach time all day and at the time my first thought was that's not how you baptize people because i'm a good protestant reformed minister everyone knows you baptize people with a little font and a little sprinkle in a church right that's the way god intended it In fact, there's a stipulation in uh, the Presbyterian Book of Order, the only condition about uh, the only description about what kind of water you're supposed to use. It says you're supposed to use fresh, locally sourced water. That's what you need to use for baptizing people. It needs to be fresh water and from a local source, which means you can get it out of the tap if you want. (laughs) But as I was standing there watching these folks down in the breakers, and I was getting past uh, uh, my theological proclivities, it got me thinking that perhaps the water of life is much bigger than what we sprinkle baptizers think of it as being. Perhaps we can learn a thing or two about these folks who tossed themselves underneath crashing waves, allowing the ocean to overwhelm them before they're raised up to a new life. You see, the thing Jesus says to the woman about this spring of water is that it gushes up to eternal life. Eternal life being what Jesus uses to describe the life in Christ. I'm sure the people who were down there at the beach that day thought that they were getting saved. And who am I to say they weren't? Because ultimately, that is what Christ offers us, salvation. Salvation, which is the fundamental change in the quality and character of one's life, that you are not who you once were, but that you are something new, something better, something more whole. Are we willing to be transformed in that fundamental way? Because that is what Christ offers us. But even as Christ offers Christ offers us the transformation of salvation. Christ also makes new demands upon us. Because that's what it says in Revelation. It says, the spirit and the bride say come. Of course, the first part of that is, is easy to understand. The spirit is God's spirit. It invites indiscriminately. It's like a billboard on the interstate. It speaks to us into the depths of our hearts, into the depths of our needs, and says, Come and be transformed. Receive the water of life. But it also says the Spirit and the Bride, and the Bride there is the Church. The Church is the Bride of Christ. And so, as a church, we must be willing to place a demand upon one another and upon those whom we encounter who thirst for new life not just to say we are the church or all are welcome, but to to command, to demand, to invite, to say come and be changed, come and be renewed, come and be saved. And in turn, we then have to be ready to give more of ourselves for the sake of that change in others. Knowing that unlike the billboard, we're not in it for some sort of return on investment. We know that that's not the point at all. The point here is not that the church is a place of give and take. It is a place of give and give because all of us draw deeply from the well of love that is in God. And so the spirit and the bride say, come. And let everyone who hears then say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty come, because anyone who wishes may receive the water of life. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope this week's message has blessed you and that you got something out of it that you can take with you all along life's journey, wherever that may take you. If you want to learn more about Union Congregational Church, our life and ministry together, you can visit churchbythepark.org. Our theme music is Victim and Victor by RKVC. Until next time, may God's grace and peace be with you.